And that's not your line. That's not my line. I was giving it a moment. I'm so, that so I had sorry. Some I'm so silence. sorry. For shame, stealing my fucking beer. <laughs> Hi, I'm Jamie. And I'm Beth. Welcome to Thief Steals the Podcast. Where I steal the podcast. And I steal it back. Okie dokies. Today we are talking about the fifth episode of the fourth season of Leverage called The Hot Potato Job. Beth, I'm so excited to see what you think. As a nutrition student, what did you think? As a nutrition student, this does make me feel rather anxious and apprehensive about entering the workforce. I don't want to be assaulted on a farm. (laughs) Common occurrence for you? Well, I would hope not. I would hope not. Okay, no, here's the thing. I got really excited when I realised what this episode was going to be about because, like, GMOs are a really interesting, really, really, really interesting topic in terms of nutrition and food sustainability Mm -hmm. and, you know, especially, like, if you're looking at the future of food and the things that we can now do with emerging food technologies, Mm -hmm. you know, there are so many things. And I know that, you know, there is a little bit of, you know, controversy or backlash regarding GMOs and, you know, like, is it better or worse and la 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 people have a lot of opinions about it this, this is not what this episode is about this is not what this podcast is about so i am what i do love about this it. episode though is they do not frame genetically modified produce as inherently evil yes and this is the thing i really like the concept of this episode in the sense of like it is highlighting why gmos are so important and valuable why why we use them yeah they highlight in this episode that, you know, this particular potato, which, like, potatoes in general, like, they are notoriously cheap. They're relatively easy to farm. Like, I don't know if you've ever just put a potato in the ground and waited six months, but Jesus fuck, will you have some potatoes, you know? like mm, Good potato content. Yeah, they are, they are easy to farm. They are very palatable. They are full of starches, which means that, you know, if you are, you know, in a very, like, low SES environment or you have low income and you need something that is going to be substantial like a potato is a great option like i said they're super palatable they're very versatile you can do a lot with them you know and so to be able to take a vegetable like that and then increase its nutrient density to make it like even better than it already is because yes like the prim- like the primary thing that you are going to get from a potato is is starch which is great but if you want to get more variety of nutrients into this very stable food staple rather food you know this is this is one way to do it like it's a great example and like i said obviously there are you know lots of opinions about gmos and this is not what this podcast is about so i will not be getting into it here but i do think that it is really interesting that they highlight the fact that they were able to make it more nutrient dense that they were able to make it resistant to pests and to disease and to drought and to you know and also she wanted it to be something where people could just grow it themselves like it's not because like a lot of what I think a lot of people don't realize is that a lot of GMO produce, vegetables, etc., mm-hmm. they're essentially copyrighted by yes. these large companies. Yes. So if you are caught growing your own, like you propagate or you like it's a potato, you whack it in the ground and you grow more potatoes, you could theoretically be sued for copyright infringement. The other issue with it is, is because they are genetically modified, some of them are actually not able to be reproduced. Mm. Like, it's not the kind of thing where you could, like, say you grow an apple tree. Yeah. Those apples may not, like, the seeds, the seeds in them may not be capable of. Of actually reproducing, which means that if you are, for example, a farmer, what you might do, say you sow a crop of peas, right? 
you know, and you harvest 95% of your peas and, you know, a certain proportion of that goes to sales, blah, 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 the whole, the whole network of things that happens with food production. The 5% that you retain, you may dry that to store and use to plant your next year's crop. The problem being, if you have purchased GMO pea seeds to grow that initial crop, when you go to replant those peas that you have saved and dehydrated to plant, they may not grow. You may have to go back to the producer of the GMO to purchase more. So instead of being able to sustain your own supply by retaining some of the seeds from the previous crop and replanting them, you have to return back to the source provider to buy more. If you don't want to do that, you have to then revert to using non-GMO seeds, which means that they are more like they are less resistant to pests and to drought and your yield is generally lower and, you know, they are not necessarily as marketable. So you end up in this situation where as they as a producer, you are locked into this position of either you have to continuously pay these people to use their seeds or you have to use like less marketable seeds, essentially, like less seeds that are going to cost you more in terms of warding off pests, warding off um, yeah. disease, you know, and it, it becomes a very sort of insidious cycle in some circumstances. So having the GMO technology be open source, having it be available to everyone, you know, whether you're a massive farm or a tiny little like home exactly gun. like this is something that is actually like it's actually very very topical like i realized this episode came out years ago but this conversation is still ongoing and there are so many components to it that need to be considered you know benefits to the community benefits to the producers benefits to the retailers benefits to the people who are creating the gmos like food scientists you know there are there are so many different levels that you have to to contend with here. It's a very very nuanced and complicated topic. And anyway, like I said, this podcast is not about that. So I just I just wanted to say that it was interesting to see it presented. I do want to point out that I'm pretty sure at no point in any of this would two men in black looking dudes show up and beat you up to take a potato. That is, and also this like implies that like they, like she has all of her research. Like this is her like thesis that she's working on. And they're like, yeah, if we have the potato though, we'll prove that we like, you stole it from us. And it's like, okay, but you don't have any of her research. You don't have the research. How is this gonna, like. I'm assuming it's like a thing of, (laughs) we've got enough money that we can fake it essentially. I mean, like who's who's gonna believe that a single student managed to actually develop this? I mean, this is the thing though. They have nothing to prove that they developed it. Mm. She has like I don't care how good your lawyer is, unless they've also stolen all of her like work, which I assume she would have to be working with some kind of tertiary education provider. So unless they have taken all of her hard copy work and also taken anything that she's been involved with with her university for her undergraduate degree and now her but i think it's also important that when they do threaten her with lawyers they're not threatening her with lawyers over the potato they're threatening her with lawyers over copyright copyright because of the seeds that you know and she says no we don't use your seeds and they're like are you willing to bet your farm on that Mm. implying that like even we'll take if, you for all your worth we'll, we'll take you for all your worth you'll probably lose your family farm like they're mm-hmm. not threatening her with you know oh we're gonna say that we invented this potato they're gonna yeah. say you used our seed you yeah. used our seed and take them to court for copyright infringement and potentially lose mm-hmm. the farm one thing that i did laugh at 
right? Mm. And, like, here's the thing. I, I understand that they're really trying to highlight the importance of this potato. And, yeah. like, I just went on a whole little tangent about how it's very yeah. important. So I fully... It's an important potato. I fully understand this. However, the fucking briefcase. Yeah. The <laughs> perfect slot for the potato in the foam. i like, this is the funniest shit I have ever seen. <laughs> like, it... I wonder how they cast that potato. You yeah. Know? Like, did they... Did they have like a team of people like at Woolworths? Is like, it even looking a potato? The... <laughs> well, yeah. Did is they... it a manufactured prop to just look like a potato? Yeah, like, so that they could... or something. Yeah, like... so that they could keep continuity without the potato like going bad yeah. and like growing little eyelets. I don't know, man, but I do think it's hilarious. <laughs> it's so funny, but also like they at the end like they save like the portion of the potato right to like give her back. I'm like, does she only have one fucking potato? Did she only have one? Like they only they only needed to take one yeah. for their purposes, but like did she not have any other fucking potatoes? Like when you grow potatoes, you don't just fucking grow one potato. Like I said before, if you've ever put a potato in the ground and come back six months later, you'll have a butt fucking load of potatoes. Like maybe maybe it's just like her first successful potato. I mean, or maybe. like if she grew multiple, like the others have already been sent off for testing and stuff, so mm. there's no guarantee they're gonna get them back in a condition to be able to grow more potatoes. Yeah, I mean I guess. Anyway, I just, I thought it was very funny. Like, the way that they're treating this. Like, yeah. Parker's like, so the diamond is in the potato. Okay. And I get that that's, like, an ongoing joke because she's, like, not recognising the importance of the potato itself. But I'm like, no, the way they're treating it, I do understand why you would think there is a diamond inside. Which, I just, look, I like this episode. And yes, you are correct. It is ridiculous that this is all over a potato. It's so funny. I do love the fact, though, that they are looking at, you know, sort of the way food is produced and the way these large companies sort of, attack anything that threatens their profit Mm -hmm. because they're not about feeding people they're about their profit margin yes it's very similar to the one where i can't remember which one it was but they were going to release the uh virus and like yes and they they were going to the blight to uh disease or the wheat field so they had the super wheat yes exactly which is actually exactly this same concept that is also based in gmo because they had the one strain of wheat that was going to be able to survive that particular plague. The difference, though, is that was developed by somebody who was willing to kill all the other wheat. Yes, yes. So that their wheat was relevant. Yeah, exactly. Whereas this one was just, oh, no, we've actually made, like, significantly significant improvements on the potato Mm -hmm. to mean that it grows nicer, to mean that it's better for you. Mm Mm-hmm. And like, and like uses less water. Uses less and, water and that sort of stuff. Yeah. And the other thing about it is like, if it's already, like if the potato itself is already naturally resistant to things like pests, it means you don't have to use as many pesticides, mm-hmm. which even though all the pesticides that we use, or at least, you know, going by Australian standards, even though all of the pesticides that are, you know, approved for commercial use in Australia, you have to, when basically food is going through its processing, it has to meet very strict standards that are set by the health, um, yeah. you know, departments. And, you know, you can only have, like, less than zero 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 point whatever level of each, like, quote-unquote yeah. contaminant, right? And so, like, that's how we recognise when something is food safe or safe for consumption yeah. is when it, it beats all of these criteria that yeah. we have set for the safety standards. If you no longer have to worry about a particular pest, yeah. you're not going to have that pesticide there at all. And it's not just about whether or not it's safe for consumption because it is. I want to make that very clear. Like, pesticides are very strictly regulated in this country and, you know, for good reason. And in most countries, they are pretty strictly regulated. I can't speak for anywhere outside of Australia because my education is based here. Mm -hmm. 
But, you know, I would assume that most countries would have similar, at least, regulations for obvious reasons. But the thing is, you know, there are environmental impacts of using things like fertilizers and using things like pesticides that impact not just the immediate plant that we consume, but everything around it. it you know, there's runoff and it goes into waterways and that affects the ecosystems and, you know, like increased levels of nitrogen from fertilizers in local water systems can actually have really quite significant detrimental effects on that ecosystem, which then obviously has additional flow on. So by being able to reduce our use of fertilizers and pesticides because we have these products that don't need them, or at least don't need them to the same extent, you know, that also has amazing environmental impact. So like there are so many. And it also means that if you are a farmer growing bees, you no longer have to spend money exactly. yeah. on pesticides and fertilizers if, yeah. if you're... If the needed use of them is reduced by half, mm-hmm. you only have to spend half the amount of money mm-hmm. on buying the products in and also using them. Because, yeah, like pesticides don't just get on crops accidentally. No. It is physical time and labor. Exactly. You know, and, you know, you can have, they mentioned the episode that it's resistant to drought. So you're looking at decreased water use. If you're looking at an individual plant, say you have like, I don't know, a corn, stalk of corn. Say that instead of growing just like one or two cobs per like plant, say you can suddenly grow four or five. You are going to use so much less land for the same amount of harvest. So like there are so many things that GMOs can do for us. It's such a it's such a new science as well, yeah. like particularly nutrition sciences comparatively when you look at things like biology or chemistry or physics. Like it is a very new science, which means that it is emerging and evolving in just leaps and bounds because yeah. there is so much that's happening in this field. And and to be fair, uh, branches of GMOs have existed for years. Mm. But it's just it now exists in a very different form to how it has historically. Yeah. Because, you know, like humans have always bred like livestock. They've already yeah. always oh, bred plants for the traits that they want. My dog does not at all resemble his ancestor, the wolf. <laughs> and for good reason. He is mighty like the wolf. <laughs> he thinks he is. <laughs> he has anxiety though. I can control him with a teaspoon of peanut butter and the promise of pets. So, <laughs> But like, and there has always been a level of, you know, sort of... Selective breeding. Selective breeding and modification happening. Mm-hmm. We do the same but thing with plants. We always have. We always have. Be, you know, be specifically cross-pollinated specific species to... Mm-hmm make sure that we were getting the yields that we wanted. But, like, it's now a matter of they have far more technologically advanced ways of yeah doing this process. So instead of selectively breeding over centuries mm-hmm. or decades, yeah, it takes much arguably much less time but also the techniques have evolved yeah like but you can really go back you can go back in terms of genetics and plants if you've ever heard of a punnett square or mendel and his fucking punnett square and his peas that he bait like we still use like we still teach about punnett squares in schools and i'm pretty sure that mendel was from he was a monk from like 15 or something you know, and he was crossbreeding. Doesn't um, matter if he's a monkey, still my icon. <laughs> and he was crossbreeding species of pea plant to look at the different coloured flowers that were produced based on how he bred them together to have different outcomes. And, like, that is essentially the same thing that we are doing now. It's just that we're doing it less as a experiment because he was just a curious monk in 15 or whatever. And hey, he had a lot of time on his hands, you know? There's not a lot he's an icon. to do. Um, you know, it's less about that. And now it's like we're doing it with a purpose yeah. because we're trying to solve issues of world hunger and issues of, you know, environmental concerns and 
all, all of these things. And so, yeah, no, this episode is, is very, very topical. I kind of wish, honestly, that we got a little bit more on that side, but that's just because this is my passion. Yeah. Like, I, 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 <laughs> I recognize that's that particularly individual for to For as me. much as this, this episode to me, like, I really like this episode, but it's nothing remarkable. It's nothing special. Mm. It's not a Van Gogh job. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I was like, I have a feeling Beth's going to like this one just because we're talking about food science. Yes. Like, I'm like, Beth's a big enough food science nerd well, that I this will be so. enough. I am basing my career on it, so... <laughs> but what I do want to say, though, and possibly my favourite... Like, I think yours favourite element... Is, is it safe to say that it's the food science of it all that's your favourite bit of the episode? Or do you have a more favourite bit of the episode before I reveal what my favourite thing of the episode is? I actually have a lot of fun little okay. things about this episode that I like, but I think the real MVP of the episode is that spud. Okay. You know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. See, because my favourite thing about the episode is the fact that Nate and Parker just straight up steal some children. Oh, yeah, I have They're a note. Like, They've just, just stolen some children. It's fine. My note is just in all caps and it just says, that's child abandonment. That is <laughs> that is straight up kidnapping. I love that the kid, Trevor, is kid like... Trevor. I, I love Trevor. I love that he's like, he's got his phone and Nate's like, you're too young to have a phone. And he's like, it's in case I get abducted. And Nate's like, yeah, whatever. And it's like, he literally... It's like you are currently abducting him. And I literally, in my notes, I was like, that's got to be relevant later. Yeah. Like that, and then it was. Mm-hmm. Like, that's how they snuck out the little potato yep. bit, you know? And I was like, oh, that's... I just, I I love that they're fully out here kidnapping some children. Like, I love that with my entire heart. Like, that fucking teacher, though, like, the actual teacher, mm-hmm. bad at her job. Yeah. She should absolutely not have done that. Like, bad, bad choice. Yeah. Because, like, here's the thing. It would be different if she was anticipating it. If Mm -hmm. they'd set up this excursion and Viragra had said, hey, look, we've got specialist educators on staff that will take over the responsibility and there's paperwork and it's like you they they will ID themselves. Mm. But even so, she should have gone along. Like, even if they were going to run the tour, she should have been there just generally. But she just hands over all these kids' information. Like, she just fucking fucks off in the yeah. bus like I don't know she I think Parker says go have a mani petty or whatever like yeah it, I think it's like this case of like you can get away with so much shit if you're confident enough oh god yeah like put on a high vis vest and pretend like you're meant to be there you can get in so many places have you seen I don't know because you're not on TikTok really but have you seen those videos of that guy who just goes into like cinemas and shit wearing high vis and carrying a ladder and he's like oh hey I'm just here to like check out the aircon in the theatre or whatever and they go oh yeah head on through and he just goes and watches fucking movies and then just walks out because he no one is questioning the guy in the high vis helmet and a ladder no never people just don't it's it's actually quite entertaining. Where I work, we can't just let anyone in. No. And so I will always ask my manager, like, hey, are we expecting this person? And, like, they'll be like, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Sometimes they look at me and they're like, no. And I'm like, interesting. And we have to, like, make sure that someone in the building was expecting this person to show up. Because, yeah, because there is the risk that someone will just come in and be like, yeah, I'm supposed to be here. And we can't let them just do that. No. <laughs> And this is exactly why. But I, I just, I love that they managed to kidnap some children. Like that's totally fine and normal. And then they do the substitute teacher thing and just wheel in like the TV and just leave the kids to and it. I just leave the kids to it. Mm-hmm. Iconic. Teacher Mike and teacher Jen. Mm-hmm. I love them. But what if we take? I mean, find somebody <laughs> else's badge. I fucking okay. Here's one of the things I did love about this episode. 
The fact that Trevor is such a nosy little shit, but he ends up just sitting with Nate and Hardison and yeah. like hearing all their beef is yeah. so funny. I love Trevor. I also love the fact that like Nate is like, you must be Trevor. And Trevor's like, how the fuck do you know my name? He's like, there's a lot of red X's next to your name. Problem with authority. I, I can, can relate. Iconic. Like, I love that for him. It's giving Sam Winchester rebel in a healthy, non-satanic way. (laughs) I just, and I just fully love that, like, Hardison's like, here, have my cap. You're part of the team now. Oh, my God. That was so cute, actually. Like, I, I just, I love this for them. Like, they are just, Uh it shows, like, even on the fly how good they are at their jobs. I also love that Hardison and Parker both seem to immediately teach crimes to children when given the opportunity. Yep. And Nate is like, don't teach him that. Stop <laughs> teaching children crime. And they're like, no, we're gonna. We're, we're gonna teach it's him crime. so fucking yep. funny. And then another one of those elements of this episode that I fucking love. Sophie just knocking Hardison the fuck out. Oh, God, yeah. And She's... Elliot being so proud of her. And once more... In this situation, Hardison is Nate going, don't fucking teach people to do that. Don't do it. Hardison, like, Hardison's like, I did not enjoy getting knocked out. I had to take one for the team. Elliot's like, sure, but did she use her hips? That's the important thing. I know. It's like, so And Hardison's like, good. fucking don't teach people to do that. Elliot looks honestly so proud of her. And mm-hmm. I love he's like... Um... And Hardison is understandably distressed considering in the tap-out job, Elliot straight up teaches Parker how to choke Hardison out. Like, I love the concept of Elliot and the rest of the team having, like, one-on-one sessions. And for some yeah. reason, Hardison is just not involved in these. Yeah. Like, I, I love that we've got, like, Elliot teaching Parker and Sophie self-defense techniques behind the scenes. Like, and I love that he's so proud. He's like, you know, that's my girl. That's like, my... you know, I'm like, I love to see it. I love to see it. Um, I also think it's hilarious that when Sophie does something risky and spontaneous, everyone is totally on board yeah. immediately. And when Nate does it, everyone's like, have you been drinking? <laughs> Which is like so fair and valid, but I also do think it's hilarious. Yes. Yeah. I love, I just, I love the fact that Sophie is playing this role mm-hmm. and she's putting on the voice. Oh God, I know. And I love that Elliot's like, is is she doing me? <laughs> I, iconic. And then he has to change his voice later in the episode so it doesn't sound the same. So funny. Iconic. I fucking... The dynamics in this episode are just so fun. Mm-hmm. They're just like, we've got Hardison pretending to be an urban farmer. Whatever the fuck that means. I have a question for you. Yes, <laughs> kind go. Of, like, yes, urban fa- Like, hilarious. I love that his spitballing there. It's just... Love it. Um, What song do we think he was listening to? Ooh. When he was, like, fully vibing... You know, because listen, I do like, you have an idea or well, I happened yesterday yeah. to do a bit of a throwback and live to listen to some old school Gwen Stefani. Yeah. And I just think that it would be really funny if that's what he was listening See, to. Because my immediate thought was Beyonce single ladies. Oh, obviously. okay. Yeah, 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 yeah. I see obviously. that. I see that. Yes, I do see that. If you have any other thoughts on what he may have been listening to, please, please let us know. Maybe in the Discord, maybe on Twitter. But yeah, let us absolutely know what you think Hardison could have been listening to. What's Hardison's jam? Honestly, could it just been like a the Doctor Who theme, like the <laughs> Which it's just I love that for him. Um also Lucille 3.0. Yeah. We have a new Lucille. Mm-hmm. She's a different colour this time. Yeah. 
She's very bright comparatively to yeah. the other Lucille's. I don't know how I feel about that. Mm. She feels like a new variant. Mm. We didn't see inside her either. No. You know? But new Lucille, considering the last one got torched by chaos. <sighs> end of last season. Yeah. R.I.P. Lucille 2. Moment of silence. But Lucille 1 as well. Mm. But <laughs> we do just... We need to talk about Parker in this episode. Eating cereal, I noticed it. Eating cereal. They made a point of it. Yeah. And Nate, like, looked at her. Do I was like, damn, they're highlighting the cereal. They're highlighting the cereal again. Mm-hmm. It, we, Parker is just so iconic in this episode. The moment where they're like, we have to steal the key from the janitor. And Sophie's like, I can do this. And then Nate's like, no, I can do this. And then Parker's like, I'm just going to fucking do this. And she just fully sneezes in his face. Oh my god, I know. Which, babe. The post-pandemic, well, not really yeah. post, but you know what I mean. Like, the... the Pandemic reading of that. In, since COVID, that's a different It hits different. <laughs> like, and then we have Sophie in this episode, who just straight up finds an actual mole. I, okay, I need to know, based on what? Like, how the fuck did she... Like, I know that Nate goes, oh, like, she's just that good. That's not... Okay. I need to know why she knew that, though. Like, how did she know he had the bank accounts? I think it's something about his body language. What about him said, I have secret bank accounts? Something about his, bo- so something about his body language said guilty, and then she just made, like, a couple of logic jumps. Because like, also, you've got to remember <laughs> that when he was sent in for questioning, he's only sent in for questioning because they need to distract him from the fact that Parker just sneezed on him and stole his keys. Yeah, but, like... Banking secret bank accounts in the Cayman Islands is such a specific like I think there are things that she could have accused accused him of that are way more statistically probable. Like she could have accused him of like stealing someone's fucking lunch in the workplace fridge. She could have accused him of having an affair with you know on cheating on his significant other if he had one. Like she could have accused him of so many things, but no, specifically the bank accounts in the Cayman Islands that not even Hardison knew he had. What? Hardison did find them though. Yeah, after, after Sophie's. Sophie's <laughs> How and is she psychic? I- she's just that good. I don't know what to tell you here, mate. She is just that good. She heard that he's according to Hardison. She was squeaky clean, so she probably. So she was like, "Oh yeah, he's definitely got secret bank accounts." No, I think it's more the <laughs> fact that it's like. Do you remember in the Bingtown bailout job when they're like, there are all these businesses and their financials are squeaky clean. Okay. And they're like, why are their financials squeaky clean? Because they're fake businesses. It's Mm. like, why would his financials be squeaky clean unless there's something he's hiding? And then it's like, from there, you've got to go, okay, well, he probably has a secret bank account. Where is the easiest place to hide a secret bank account? Okay. Cayman Islands. So she's making these logic jumps at the speed of fucking life because okay. she's that good. Okay, hear me out though. I would argue my bank history is pretty squeaky clean. Don't look at me like that. I'm not out here committing tax fraud or any of that. Like I'm just, I'm just a person who takes their paycheck and I, you know, pay my fucking bills, whatever. I don't have a secret bank account in the Cayman Islands. So like it's I don't, you, I guess. I don't. <laughs> Yeah, it does. I wish. But in this climate? Um, Secret bank accounts? In this climate? <laughs> but, like, I don't... I That's like being like, oh, wow. You know, they don't have any traffic fines. They must be a shit driver. Like, what? So I don't know what to tell you, mate. Sophie is just an icon and I love her. I love that she's correct. I just don't understand how they got there. 
And actually that does bring me to like a slight issue that I did have with this episode, which just comes back to like in terms of the writing. I feel like it was a little clunky, particularly the first half of the episode. I felt like some of the dialogue just didn't like quite flow in the usual way that it does. I don't know if maybe it's because they're throwing, they're changing up like the Nate Sophie dynamic kind of thing or what, but I just felt like it just wasn't quite hitting the mark. And then I'm, I know that you love Parker in this episode. But the fucking lasers, again, with the my belief no longer being suspended. Oh, yeah, no. Here's the thing. I like the scene where she's actually going through the laser grid. But, like, you cannot tell me, Parker, I think every single one of my actions through before I do it. Mm. Just straight up open that freeze chamber. Mm-hmm. With no regard for, like, the fact that she didn't even know the fucking combo. Yeah. And, like, the like, thing is, right, about this is we know, like, that Parker is weirdly impervious to temperature fluctuations. Like, we've had this come up before. (laughs) But, like, she just fucking goes in and I'm like, okay. We get it. You're you're better with the cold and the heat than most people. But But again... You have a full team there who is working to do, like, the prep work for yeah, you. Yeah, Carterson was literally in the middle of saying, I'll walk you through it before you open the door. And she just ignored him. him. Which is out of character because she is someone who thinks things through. Yes. And, like, here's the thing about this. That entire sequence was, like, I don't know what's happening. Because, like, she very slowly walks through the very fucking cold thing as well. I'm like, surely you would rush just a little bit. And then she gets the keypad. And they very conveniently, like, were told the exact date that this man started at the company. I'm like, okay, like, I get it. Plot, plot, plot. You know, whatever. But... One, it's very fucking lucky that he wasn't, like, an immigrant who wasn't brought up using the US date system because I would have got that date code wrong. Yeah. Because I would not have said, like, I wouldn't have put April in before I put the date of April, you know? No, fucking Americans and their date system. It's stupid. Yeah. Get a new system. Preferably (sighs) ours because it makes more logical sense. Yeah. And, oh, do you know what was really annoying? I was trying to Google, right, how, like... The temperature, because we get from Hardison that it's negative 20 degrees Celsius, right? And so I was trying to, like, find out what specifically would happen to the human body when exposed to negative 20 degrees Celsius. Because I was like, okay, like, let's see how accurate his explanation is, right? Do you think Google would fucking tell me what happens at negative 20 degrees Celsius? Every fucking result was, like, Fahrenheit. And I was like, we know that basically only America uses Fahrenheit, right? Like... Can Come you, on, dude. And I specified up. Celsius in my fucking search. I was like, Google, do better, man. Come on. Anyway, you know everything about me. You know my location. Why the fuck do you think I need Fahrenheit? But anywho, moving on from that, the lasers, very, very improbable. Like, I just, it's the same issue I think I had way back in season one with, like, the flipping through them. And I was like, this is just not, like, I get she's really good. No one is that good. Like, it's just not humanly possible. And the next thing, the fucking knee slide. The knees she did the Elliot Lube Rockstar knee slide and it still was bad. It's it only was- <laughs> better than the Elliot knee slide because at least she's not improbably dodging bullets while also <laughs> killing a whole bunch of people. Like, like- we did this so recently and it did not go well. And you're like, I know, let's do it again, this time with fire. Like, guys, cut your losses at this point. Stop trying to make the knee slide happen. It's not, not going to happen. happen. It, look, I think you're being harsh on this episode. Like, personally, I think you're being a little harsh. Like, come on. Let me have my silly little fantasy show. Like, come on. I mean, you can... I'm, I'm not saying that it's, you know the worst episode of all time. I'm just saying there were some components of this episode that were fucking dumb. Like, and that's fine. 
Like, that happens. It's a television show. But, like, you know, I'm not going to not point them out. That's kind of the point of the podcast. That's still mean to me personally. So I'd appreciate it if you refrain <laughs> from having an opinion on the podcast. Oh, shit. That okay. I should have an opinion on. All right. You're so, uh, you're so yeah. right. I'm so sorry. From now on, I will only have opinions about Supernatural. Um, <laughs> you're still allowed to have opinions about Supernatural, by the way. That's totally fine. <laughs> Well, that's because my opinions on Supernatural are objectively <laughs> right. Obviously. Okay, would you like me to talk about some things that I really did like? I would love that. Like, let's get some positivity in. Okay, okay. I love the little watermelon lunchbox. Oh my god, it's, it's so cute. so cute. What a fucking choice. Whoever in props decided that that was the lunchbox that you were going to use, stellar move. Beautiful, iconic. I loved it. it was it's so also cute. just so in character. Yes. Like, it is just, like, it is mwah, chef's kiss. Perfect. Of yeah. course, someone who's a massive food sciences nerd would have that little watermelon lunch. Exactly. Like, As a food science mm-hmm. student, absolutely in character. Perfect. Iconic. When are I you going to get a lunchbox like that, Beth? Oh, you know what? When I could fit one in a handbag. <laughs> if I could find a compact enough one, absolutely. Absolutely. But at the moment, I just use thin Tupperwares. Also, speaking on like props and and like that kind of like side of things, mm-hmm. Nate's shirt this episode is such a vibrant blue. And like I, I don't really have anything specific to talk about it, but it's just such an interesting choice for him. Like it's just so bright and not in a I'm playing an annoying character role kind of way. Like not you know, in a Jimmy Papadopoulos no, sort of way. Exactly. Just in a like Nate just chose a very vibrantly blue shirt. And I just think that's quite fun. I just I think it's really funny because it is also in an episode where him and Sophie are being so fucking immature about mm. it. But not even Sophie. Him. He is yeah, Sophie's taking the piss. Sophie's taking the piss of him because he's handling this so badly. Oh, God. She's like, I'm just going to mess with this man a little because he is being a man-child right now. Oh, isn't he just? He's fully just being a man-child. And I think that is very fucking funny. He's like, Sophie, you know that I don't like want a relationship and blah, blah, blah. And she's like... I'm just going to use this to freak sure. out a little bit. Like, you know, oh, God. It's... <sighs> he's so annoying. <laughs> Like, don't get me wrong, I've got to a place where I quite like Nate it's, now. That's like a font, he's so annoying. Like, yeah, this is less of a, oh my god, I hate that man kind of annoying, and more of a, oh, he's such a silly goose kind of annoying. Like, <laughs> like he really lets the Catholic guilt just do whatever the fuck it wants to him. Like, <laughs> I love that Sophie points that out this episode too. She's like, oh, shocking. Absolutely revolutionary. Get yourself an original idea, mate. Like, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. oh, actually, one thing I do love is Sophie... Like, we talked before about how she's just incredible this episode, but, like, the way that she is, like, running the con on, like, obviously the people that they're conning, but she's also, like, reflecting it back as, like, to Nate and talking about how, like, oh, he doesn't like it, you know, when you have an opinion Opinion and, (laughs) you know, when you take charge and he can't handle you making decisions and, and, like, everyone, like, side-eyeing, like... (laughs) I wonder what she could be talking about, like... It's excellent... They're all just like, Sophie's right. Like, that's the thing. Mm. Sophie is objectively correct. Yeah. And I love that for her. She deserves to be right all the time because she is an icon and absolutely flawless. And I think that the show, unfortunately, doesn't always lean into the fact that she's objectively always right and perfectly flawless. Like, I just don't think they're brave enough to handle the fact (laughs) 
that at the end of the day... Sophie can do no wrong. Sophie can do no wrong. Like, I feel like sometimes I really shy away from the fact that (laughs) Sophie is the biggest icon of all time and is just objectively better than everybody else. Like, it's just, it's such a shame because they could really just completely unlock, you know what I mean? Like, they... Her true potential? Yeah. Um, Oh, okay. I did have, like, one interesting point that Mm. I wanted to make. And, like, less... That does make me scared. (laughs) It's not about the, like, actual, like, the writing or the the acting or anything. It's actually about the sound production in this episode. Okay. Yep. Right after Sophie has knocked hardest now and she's introducing herself, like, kind of on a whim to the evil blonde lady... She's, like, talking to her. It's raining in that scene. And you can tell. You can't really see it because it's not heavy enough. But you can see it on their clothes. Like, their shoulders yeah. are damp. You can hear. You can hear it, the rain. It's so, so loud. I didn't realise how obnoxiously loud the rain was in that scene until I rewatched it, to, like, yeah. last night for this recording. I was watching I was like, it this morning, like, why did they not edit that out? It's like, why is that rain so loud? Like, I get they're trying to, like, set the vibe. But, like, the rain is so loud. It's like a struggle yeah. to hear... But I also think that it must just be the the sound of the actual mm. rain that was falling because it doesn't sound like they've added it no. in. It just sounds like they haven't removed it. Or and they like, had a hard time removing it. Yeah. And, like, to be fair, I have had a hard time removing the sound of rain from this podcast before. Well, mm. not from this one, but, you know, Driver Pigs. And so, like, I get it. I've been there. But also, it was so loud. So, like... I was just surprised that they didn't just take another, like, shot at the scene. Like, Mm. I'm surprised that they used that take or that they didn't try and, like, remove it entirely in post. Like, obviously, I don't know exactly how, you know, film editing works and whatnot, but it just seemed like a really odd decision. It was very, um, distracting. Uh, Yeah, I don't know why they chose to make it that loud in that scene. It was... A choice and a half. Yeah, I just, I think the thing that got me was that you couldn't really hear it when the uh, camera was pointed over, like, with Sophie's back towards the camera. Yeah. And then as soon as her face was towards the camera, it was so aggressively loud. It just, yeah, it didn't stay at a, like, consistent level, which, yeah, probably it was just, like, between shots. Yeah, it like, got the rain heavier. Got heavier. But I do love the fact that when Sophie is essentially pretending to be Elliot, we do get a damn it Hardison from Sophie. Yeah. Which is so fucking funny because it just cements in this thing of, no, she's 100% pretending to be Elliot, right? Yeah. Like, it's not... She's not just pretending to be this character. She is, like, fully Embodying. pulling... She's pulling Elliot mannerisms for yes. this. Like, Elliot is her reference image for this role. It's incredible. I also love that we get Elliot ponytail glasses in this episode. Pretending lo- to be the accountant. I love when we get to see Elliot in his little glasses. I just think it's very fun. <laughs> You can tell that he's pretending to be a nerd when he puts the glasses on. Which is so funny because I'm pretty sure, like, in canon, he needs glasses. (laughs) Because, like, here's the thing. We see him in the pilot with glasses. Mm -hmm. And he's not playing a role in the pilot. He just has glasses. Maybe he just wears contacts most of the time. It's just... because Yeah. And, like, I, I... I kind of hate that one of the things they remove from the pilot to, like, the main series is that we don't really see Ellie in his glasses anymore. Mm. Like, we see Ellie in glasses, but normally they're, like, he a character them. choice and he's, like, stolen them. But, like, yeah. I think I think Ellie just genuinely needs glasses. I think that's quite a fun little character addition. Yeah. It's a shame that it doesn't really get highlighted because I think, like, you could really have a lot of fun with it, I think, in terms of, like, obviously, like, he's fighting and stuff. So, like, it it opens the opportunity for him to 
you know, for his glasses to get lost or damaged or, like, you could turn it into, like, a bit of an ongoing bit. Yeah. Like, you know, Scooby-Doo with Velma yeah. being like, where, jinkies, where are my glasses? Like, you could oh, yes. do, Elliot like, Oh, yes, is a... the Velma equivalent, yeah. obviously. <laughs> obviously. Like, that's not oh, even... Oh, my God, how would we map them onto the Scooby-Doo crew? Because there's five oh, of them and five of them. okay. You know what I mean? Okay. Okay. So, clearly, Sophie is Daphne. Yes. Oh, obviously. Without, without a doubt. Yeah. Without a doubt. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Does that make Nate Velma? Or would Velma be Hardison? Kind of nerdy, smartest of the whole group. Okay, but the, here's the here's the trouble for me. Where do we put Parker? Because mm. Parker is not Fred. No. But also not Shaggy. This is hard. Like, Sophie's very clear. Yeah. Sophie's very clear, but Sophie's like the only one who's very clear. I don't know that the others really fit. Wait, Nate could be Scooby. Lots of dumb disguises, silly hats. Yeah. That could work. Uh-huh. Not really applicable to any other part of his no. personality, but... <laughs> But I feel like Scooby-Doo would wear a silly hat. Mm. You know what I mean? Oh, yes. Well, if you've seen the movies, you know, uh, <laughs> which we all we all have. <laughs> There's like a whole bit where he like dresses up to get on the plane. But to be fair, I haven't seen this since I was a child. You know what's actually so fucking funny? What? Matthew Lillier, yeah. who plays Shaggy. Shaggy in the movies, actually does appear on Leverage. Does he? Do you want to know who else appeared in Leverage? This episode, did you recognize him from Supernatural? <laughs> you can't see it because I just deflated and that's a non-verbal thing. But I did just... Her shoulders fully slumped about 10 centimeters. <laughs> yeah. So you didn't recognize him? No. Okay, the guy who plays the CEO in this mm. episode is Samuel Winchester. Oh my god! I literally, he like they put his face up on the screen and I was like, is that Mitch Pileggi? And I Googled it and it is. Samuel Winchester is an evil potato stealing CEO. Oh, uh, the Lord, the, the <laughs> plot thickens. The, the plot Sterling thickens. Supernatural Crowley Universe expands. Yeah, you know, the <laughs> the Aldous Hodge, Alec Hardison to Jake, yeah. whatever his surname was, Pipeline. Yeah. Like, it's really, the plot truly does thicken. Maybe maybe this is why he turned to hunting. Mm. Because he, you know, he got arrested he as stole the CEO. The yeah, and then he he had to start from scratch. He was like, they really set me up. Something's off here. I bet they were demons. But no, yeah, so Matthew Lilliard does appear in a season five episode. Oh, that's fun. I quite enjoy the Matthew Lilliard. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. He yeah. plays a good villain. We also get uh Carrie Yules as a villain. I don't who know plays who Wesley in The Princess Bride. Oh yeah. Oh, that's fun. Yeah. That's yeah. very fun. Mm-hmm. What a wild group of actors to appear yeah. in leverage mm-hmm. yeah no we get some really fantastic as i think season five they were sort of realizing it was going to be the last season so they bring in some mm. like quite big well-known actors yeah. as villains and it's very fun that's excellent i it's feel like i feel like it would be maybe the best phone call to receive as an actor to be like hi we would like you to come and play a slimy little asshole for 30 ish minutes would you like to do that we would be very honored if you did that I think that would be great. And I think Mark Shepard got that phone call and was like, what if I turn that 30 minutes <laughs> into like five hours worth of screen time? Mm-hmm. And then he did the same thing for Supernatural. Yeah. Except arguably more than five hours. Because he's just that powerful. He is. And we love to see it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No. If I have ever met Crowley in real life, I would 100% sell myself. Like, no question. It's Mark Shepard. Obviously. <laughs> I love that you're like, you You would sell your soul to Crowley, but only because he looks like Mark Shepard. Yeah, obviously. <laughs> I see Mark Shepard playing an arsehole. I'm like, yes, that's my slimy little bastard. <laughs> that is how it works. You're like, add him to the list of blobos. Yes, yeah, obviously. Duh. That's how it works. 
Oh, okay. This is so irrelevant. But can I, like, completely divert the topic? Of oh, yeah, absolutely. Okay. We so, were so on topic previously. I know. So <laughs> I didn't want to take us too far away. No. So to actually scoot us back to the episode. Okay. Hilariously. I made a note. At the, my second note of this entire mm-hmm. episode was I was like, wow, they really focused on, like, the front and back of the car where yeah. like the men in black people like were like looking at her yeah. soil also why were they looking at her soil what did that have to do with fucking anything anyway but then they like nearly ran over her dad and i was like wow dick move anyway but i was like wow you really get to see the front of the car and you also really get to see the back of the car as they're driving away and i was like i wonder if their license plate's going to be important so i wrote down their license plate flash forward about two scenes later this chick is like we didn't even get their license plate. And I was like, well, you must be blind. To be fair, though, was she, was front dis- and <laughs> she was distracted by the fact that her dad almost got hit by a car. Yes. Okay. Look, sure. I'll give her the benefit of the doubt. But <laughs> you're like, saying that if you, you were that food sciences student, you would have 100 Yeah. 857 HLN. I was okay. trying to figure out if it was like an anagram. <laughs> They've hidden something in the license plate. This yeah. is the kind of thing leverage does to a person. Yeah. But no, I was like, you didn't get the license plate. Are you Some seeing positive did. impacts on your supernatural viewing experience <laughs> from the leverage effect? Oh, look, here's the thing. I was already looking like under a microscope at supernatural. I already had supernatural under a microscope, you know? And the problem is with leverage, I don't know what to focus the microscope on. Mm. Supernatural, I typically do. <laughs> Here I was way off base. As you can see, that license plate does not become relevant ever at all. I was really hoping it would because she brought it up and made the point that they didn't have the license plate. But then, alas, it meant nothing. And now I've just spent probably almost five minutes talking about it for no reason here so you're welcome but no pivoting away from that because i don't know how to (laughs) move on from that i do want to say i think there is one moment in this episode that i don't love like i think it's really out of character nate and sophie go out for dinner and nate just fully leaves his phone on the bar yes like what i also thought that was completely whack Mm. i like The thing is, I think that maybe this is just highlighting, and this is a thing that Sophie and Nate have had since season one, and it's honestly been a thing that has annoyed me since season one. Yeah. It's become less annoying as we've gone through, because I've just generally grown to like Nate more and find the Sophie-Nate dynamic less frustrating. Yeah. But, like, if we look back, it's early as the wedding job. Sophie and Nate let their own relationship dynamics get in the way of what is, like, going to cause them more imminent problems, right? Mm. And I think that is exactly what's happened here. Like, it is showing that Sophie and Nate are so caught up in each other and the fact that this is this, like, you know, new exciting thing that they're doing. And, oh, it's a secret. And, oh, you know, that they're not paying attention. Like, it is clearly a distracting thing for them, which makes sense. Like, I think that makes sense. However, the fact that it is so distracting that Nate would leave his phone at the bar, that feels... Especially when Hardison gives him the call with actually... Very serious information. The fact that the you know the vice exec or whatever Mm, hasn't been got out. Like she she's gotten out. Like, do you have any thoughts about like I? So here's the interesting thing about this, right? Is that we obviously in like the very start of the season, they had like the apartment bugged, and we had like that very ominous phone call with Nate a couple episodes ago. We haven't really had anything else develop, and the funny thing is, I pretty much forgot. Yeah, because. First of all, because the way we run the podcast yeah. is we watch the episode like a week apart. And so 
I have a life outside of the podcast. Yeah. Shocking, I know. But, you know, and I've been and it's busy. Also, the overarching plot is not front and centre like it is in Supernatural. Yeah, exactly. Like, Supernatural is a show that relies on the overarching plot. Yeah. Leverage is not. No, it's a completely different setup. Yeah. And so it's the kind of thing where, like, you know, when you're busy and you're watching it a week apart and, like, you, it's not the foremost thing of the show, it is pretty easy to just sort of let it slip to the back of your mind. Yeah. But then when they remind you, you're like, oh, shit, yeah, that's happening. Yeah, remember the apartment was bugged. You yeah. get a reminder of that this episode. Parker's like, are we bugged again? Like, yeah. why are we talking about the potato? Um, And then we also do get, like, at the end of the episode, the, the phone call from Parker's. And yeah. here's the thing about this. I have no idea where mm-hmm. this is going. But what I can tell you is I am more intrigued by this than I was by the Italian last season. Mm-hmm. I Like, I think that this is... I don't know. Like, I'm fascinated about where they could be going because I really have no idea. Yeah. And I kind of enjoy not knowing when I feel like I shouldn't. Yeah. The thing that I think with Italian is, like, we got so much content about it, but we weren't actually given anything where I was like, oh, this is kind of annoying because... We got the same thing over and over and over again, which is, you need to take down Marie. You need yeah, to take and down I'm like, yeah, 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 we know this. We know this, but can I have any context, please? You know, can I have any kind of clue, please? And so, but this is really interesting because I I don't know what's going on, but I feel like I'm not supposed to. Whereas, like, with the whole Moreau thing, well, it very much felt like, oh, you should, you know, be clicking bits. And I was like, I have no idea what you're talking about. Yeah. Whereas this one is more like the crew doesn't know what's happening. Mm. So you don't know what's happening. Because, like, you no only... No one knows. You don't know. Like, all the crew knows is they've been bugged. And now it's really odd that somebody that they've set up hasn't been taken down. Mm-hmm. I also think that it is a massive implication. And, like, I think the reason that Hardison in particular is so concerned is because this is something that he did. He specifically orchestrated the accounts to look like yeah. it was her transfer to this other guy. And, like, no one gets around his hand. No one should be able to to be able to see through that. But also, if they have found that she's squeaky clean, that opens up the door to, like, well, if she didn't pay this guy off, maybe he has been set up. Yeah. And that opens up a whole other investigation, which then puts them all at extreme risk. And so, like, Hardison has every reason to be freaking out. I think what will be interesting is, like, at the start of this episode, obviously Nate and Sophie are, like, trying to cover up the fact that they've spent the night together and, like, you know, she yeah. he's hiding the bra and, like, whatever else. And the other characters are, like, looking at them like, something is up, but, like... We don't you're know just what. You're being fucking weird, guys. But then again, it's like, they're always kind of fucking weird. Yeah. So it's like, is this the normal weird or is there something extra up? Mm-hmm. And I'm wondering if next episode is going to be the, like, reveal where, like, at least one other person in the team finds out that Nate and yeah. Sophie have been, like, you know, fucking on the side. And, like, you know, I said back when we had the reveal as the audience, I'm like, this doesn't feel surprising. Like, it feels yeah. like it makes sense. However, I think that it, given the situation, like, with the team dynamics, the fact that they have kept it from them, mm. like, it kind of feels like, oh, you should have told HR. Because, like, it has the ability to fuck with the safety of the team and to screw with cons. Do you know what I mean? It's yeah. like, this is not... They 100% should have told HR. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, this is, this is not above board. Mm-hmm. This is you know, going to cause issues within the company kind of thing. And so, uh, yeah. And, like, even to the point where even in this con, you know, Nate said to Sophie, like, she's like, oh, I've told them to expect my accountant. And Nate's like, great, like, I'm on my way in. And she's like, no, 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 no. what are you talking about? I need Elliot. Elliot is a hitter. I need him as a resource Mm -hmm. for this character. And, like, Nate, one, should have known to make that call himself because that's his job. But number two, he he then tried to, like, fight her on it. Because, like, or was a bit like, oh, I thought you would have got me in. And it's like, bro, you are the mastermind. Fucking work it out. Yeah, do your job. 
it's actually probably better for Sophie to bring in one of the other crew members who's maybe not going to have such an easy way to get into the company. Yeah, exactly. Then you, who was the mastermind, who was theoretically a better grifter than someone like, say, Parker. Yeah, exactly. And like, so I think that it will be very interesting to see how Sophie and Nate's budding relationship, because mm-hmm. fuck whatever Nate's saying. Like, they have been dancing around this, this for years. And like, and Sophie knows that it's a foregone conclusion now. I, like, she is just like, the, messing with him until he finally fucking accepts it. It's it's genuinely that whole thing of like, am I a villain? Am I a good person? And except now it's like, am I a single bachelor? Am I in love with Sophie? It's like we all know the answer to this. You're question. in love with fucking Sophie. You've been in love with Sophie since the first fucking season. Oh, uh, arguably since before then. Yeah, like you know. And so I think that it's just like it makes sense. It's in yeah. character for Nate to be having this fucking ongoing struggle, but it's also as a viewer, I'm kind of like, come on, guys. Come on. Like, we all know. We know. We all know. And so I think that it will be very interesting because the team When they do metaphorically tell HR. Mm, Exactly. And the thing is that because they have now, by forgetting the phone, by getting caught up in each other, they have now really, like, exposed... Like, this is a bad thing. Yeah. This is a bad thing that they cannot get in touch with Nate. This is a thing where if they're not careful, we've already proven that it's going to make them less aware of what's actually happening. Uh-huh. So they're blinded. The their new relationship could be something where it really fucks them over. Mm-hmm. If they're not careful, it's the sort of thing where they could be in very real danger. And it's not just about them, it's about the whole team. Mm-hmm. Like, if they are distracted by each other, if they let their emotions get in the way, which they have a fucking track record of doing, Mm -hmm. you know, and this is, like, that whole thing where, like, Sophie got so excited in, like, the underground job, I think it was, when she found out that they were having, like, sex on the side, she was like, oh, I can pull them apart with this. Yeah. Like, that's all I needed to know, you know? She's like, I can ruin them immediately. Mm -hmm. Because, like, yeah, it's, it's a different vulnerability yeah and so i think that it's certainly going to be an interesting couple of episodes coming up yes i'm interested to see like i would i would have said up to this point that if the team found out that sophie and nate were sleeping together they would have reacted positively or like neutrally like yeah. like i think honestly parker would have been like okay mom and dad you've been right hasn't this been the i whole didn't need time? to know about your sex life it's you fun. know and i think like that elliot and hardison would have been like we assumed you yeah. know like okay like, good for you yeah you know and or like Neutrally to positively. Or like, think, maybe, oh, you weren't fucking this entire time? Yeah, like, like, I think they would have made fun of them, if anything. Yeah. But honestly, like, at this point, I'm now, now wondering it's showing if, like, that, like, this is actually could be an issue. I'm wondering if they will now be a bit shitty. Mm. Because I think I would be. It's like, you've been risking us. Yeah. The, the team. It's like, and I think, like, For I this relationship, and you didn't even have the fucking guts to tell us about it, like. Yeah, and, like, the thing is. It's not really, if they were just friends, like if they were just a group of friends and Nate and Sophie were like newly together and they didn't really know what was happening yet kind of thing, then that's a different circumstance. Like you don't owe an explanation to anyone about your new relationship. You don't owe it to anyone to be like, oh, by the way, like we're dating. After a certain point, maybe. But because of this particular circumstance, because it is a work relationship, like I I know Mm -hmm. I like made the joke like they should have told HR, but like actually there's a reason you should do that. You know? Oh, I do just want to call out this week, Elliot, for being extra country. Because, like, I'm just going to be, like, extra country this week. I love that he has that whole bit of, like, I keep telling you, you can't fake country. I love it. And they're like, how the fuck do you know that? He's like, it's crops. Mm. Of course I fucking know that. Yeah. Oh, also, I had a question. Mm -hmm. Why 
the fuck does this business have an in-house masseuse? Big corporate, <laughs> like genuinely, like big corporate chains do. Really? So basically, okay, so let me go into the trash side of it for, you, for okay. a minute. I love trash. Okay, so basically <laughs> what big companies do uh-huh. when you have like enough employees to incentivize employees to stay longer at work and do more work oh, and it's never a capitalism leave. Thing. It's a capitalism thing. Ew. They they try to tempt people into taking the jobs by like, you know, we've got an in-house masseuse, we've got, you know, free food on site, we've got this, that, the other. Because the idea is then you never leave the office for anything and you live and die at work. Oh, essentially. That's horrible. So I just thought it was weird because, like, at what point during your day are you going to have time to have a massage? So, they so just... that they can say, we've got an in-house masseuse. So does that woman just sit there all day? Presumably. <laughs> she's just sitting there? Presumably she's given massages all day. Twiddling her thumbs? <laughs> but no, so basically, yeah, so they, these big companies, what they'll do is, yeah, they'll have, like, in-house masseuse. They'll have in-house doctors they'll have in-house that's quite good though chefs chefs and like in-house this and that and the other so that like you don't ever have to leave the building and they can theoretically squeeze more work out of you okay i hate that and also pay you less because you've got great benefits i hate that i hate the the lower pay rate i hate that concept of you just never having to leave work because that's just trash however i do think that having things like a company like physician Honestly, like trying to get a doctor's appointment is so fucking hard. And if you didn't have to work it around your like work schedule, like if you could just be like, oh, I, I know I have this meeting, but then I'm going to see the doctor. Yeah. Like, I do think that that has perks. Also, if the doctor is on the payroll of the company, yeah. it means that you're probably getting that service for free, which yeah. is also great. But also I do think that uh, you could, you should have like on-site childcare services. I do think that that actually, because that would save the people who are returning to work who have young children, the additional cost of childcare, which is just ex- just exuberant and ridiculous. But it also means that like, if your kid is sick or if, you know, you haven't been used to giving your child to someone else to care for through the day, you can pop down and see them. You can check on them. If they fall off a bike or something and knock their head, you're right there in the building. You don't have to drive an hour from your work to get that. Do you know what I mean? Like, but yeah, the theory is the more perks they give, the less they have to pay you. That's stupid. That's stupid. <laughs> that's but my but opinion that's, on that's, that. That's the theory. <laughs> anyway, I... I don't think I have anything else to say this week. Do you have anything else that you'd like to add? Not really. Oh, okay. One okay. thing. Uh, the security people for this company who, Mitch Pelleggi, I can't remember his actual character's name, like, he realises that they're all, like, watching him. And I'm like, that's because they are not subtle at all. No. <laughs> they're the least subtle security they're people They're staking someone seen. out in the Impala subtle. Yeah, literally. <laughs> literally. Which, I mean, to be fair, I can't really talk because Leverage just have a van. Yeah. <laughs> Lucille is also not subtle. No. <laughs> Neither is fucking Elliot's bright orange Dodge Charger. It's actually like, the equivalent of the car that Sam steals in the season four. Yeah. No one in this show is subtle. No one in Supernatural is subtle. No. People are just not subtle. No. Maybe mm. that's just early 2000s media. Yeah. Maybe just no one was subtle ever. Mm-hmm. Maybe yeah. that's part of the ambiance. Mm. Ambiance? Historical Genre? accuracy? Historical accuracy. <laughs> Yeah, well, look, if you go back and look at red carpet events from the early 2000s, I think you'll find that you're correct. <laughs> Nothing was subtle. <laughs> lovely. Anything else to add? I don't think so. Okay, lovely. Finished talking about masseuses? Yeah. Okay, perfect. Lovely. Well, thank you so much for listening to us. Ooh. Thank you. Well, you're doing so good, sweetie. <gasps>
Well, lovely. Thank you so much for listening to us today. Beth, how would you rate the hot potato job out of five? I gave it a solid three out of five. Three? Yeah. Look, here's the thing. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy the fact that it was about GMOs. Yeah. However, it wasn't actually about GMOs. Like, I got excited because I was like, oh, GMOs, I know about this. But, like, the actual episode focused very little on what yeah. a GMO is and, you know, blah, blah, blah. It was like, an educational budget. Exactly. GMOs. It was just about GMOs. It was just the premise. Yeah. And, like, I love that. But I was also like, okay, I can't really give it a whole bunch of points for that. However, I do generally think it was a pretty solid episode. There was some, like, fun little bits. Like, yeah. I fucking love Trevor. I, like, I love Sophie playing Elliot. I love Elliot having had taught Sophie. I love that they highlight that they're all teaching each other things off screen. Like, mm-hmm. I enjoyed the, like, tension we get right at the end of the episode. I'm intrigued about next episode. But I feel like the general, like, the actual episode itself as a whole was just, like, it was just an average episode mm-hmm. of leverage. I liked it. I don't think it did anything extraordinary. I don't think it was bad. So okay. I'm giving it I'm giving it a middle-of-the-road three. You okay. know? I would... What's really I funny is... I could be to 3.5. In the Supernatural podcast, my middle-of-the-road is 3.5, and your <laughs> middle-of-the-road is three. <laughs> I'm like, well, I mean, like I said, I could be swayed to a 3.5. Honestly, I think the thing that drops it from a 3.5 for me is that sequence with Parker. Mm. One, because it's out of character for her. And two, because I just don't think that the knee slide is working for them. I really hope they don't try Stop it again. Stop trying to make the knee slide happen. <laughs> it's not going to happen. Like, but other than that, I could be easily swayed to a 3.5 oh. for this episode. I do think it's relatively enjoyable. I just, those like little things. It's a things, fun, silly little episode of leverage. Yeah. But I don't, I don't think it's accomplishing a whole hell of no. a lot. Not that it needed to. And it's not meant to. Like, that's yeah. not the purpose of the... It's just meant to be a fun episode of leverage. Yeah. Um, yeah. But no, I think somewhere somewhere in the, the vicinity of a 3 to a 3.5, I think, is fair. I yeah. wouldn't give it more than that, but I certainly wouldn't give it less either. No, you know? and I was not expecting you to give it more than a 3.5. Yeah. But lovely. Well, next week's episode is called... You're never going to guess what next week's episode's about. I'm just forewarning you. Okay. It's called The Carnival Job. Oh, my God. Okay. It's definitely going to be about uh, shark cage diving. Okay, yeah. <laughs> I wonder what The Carnival Job could be about or where The Carnival Job mm. is potentially set. Sustainable fish farming, him yeah. out. We have just had GMO. <laughs> yeah. I don't know why my immediate guess is to go to the ocean. But anyway, no, obviously, I mean, it'll be, you know, it'll be about a carnival. Yeah. I'm assuming that it's going to be something... Like, the leverage equivalent of Everybody Loves a Clown yeah. from Supernatural. Like, yeah, I, I assume, can mm-hmm. yeah. you know, maybe it's something to do with, like, traveling circus mm-hmm. kind of vibe. Like, yeah. maybe there's some kind of abuse cycle going yeah. on, or maybe there is. So you're thinking animal cruelty, essentially. I mean, yes, you know, um, that's certainly, like, one element, you know, there's all kinds of things, I suppose, that in that kind of environment where, like, you're moving around a lot and, like, people are coming and going, I think that there's, like, a, a, a ripe opportunity for people to be taken advantage of mm-hmm. or animals to be mistreated. Like, there's a lot of things they could probably focus on um, within that. Yeah, I don't know. I think I think there's a lot of places they could go with it, mm-hmm. to be perfectly honest. Do you have any, like, predictions about, like, maybe what, like... Like, character elements we'll see a lot of, given the setting, or anything like that? Okay, I know that I recently talked about this, but I just think it would be so fun if they had a food truck. It would be the perfect cover for a carnival. It would work. So, I just think that would be very fun. 
I think I would love, I mean, I'm going to assume the setting at least is a yeah. carnival uh, setting. I would love to see like maybe like a B plot where Parker like really wants a particular toy from like, you know, the like, mm-hmm. like the games. They're kind of rigged. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I would love to see her really wanting a toy and then either like stealing it or Hardison like getting around the rigging mm-hmm. of the game to get her the toy. I just think that would be very cute in like a, a little partisan moment. I am curious to see what's going to happen with Sophie and Nate. I do think that somehow someone at least is going to find out about them. I would be interested to see if they end up doing anything with like a house of mirrors, because Mm -hmm. I think that that from like a meta analysis perspective would be fucking fascinating. I have a feeling maybe Nate will wear a weird hat. Mm. Oh, we could have Elliot as a clown. That would be a fun role for him to play. Mm-hmm. I Normally, Elliot really gets into his role, but he hated being Santa Claus. So I don't know how he might feel about being a clown. I do think it would be hilarious to watch him in a fight using clown things. Yeah. Because you know how in the wedding job, he, I've talked a lot about the wedding job. For some yeah. reason, that really sticks out to me from the first season. But like, you know, he, he uses the lemon juice in the eye. I think it would be fun to get the equivalent, like the flower squirty thing. Or like pepper spray in the flower. <laughs> yes. Or like a um, like a blow up bat. Kind of like it's completely just an air bat. But like I just feel like it would be fun to see him beat someone to death. Not necessarily beat someone to death, but like find creative ways to use props of like you know like the show cup. props. Yeah. I think it would be fun. Like maybe he strangles someone with a feather boa. I don't know, but I think it would be fun to see it. Okay, lovely. Well. Thank you so much for listening to us today. If you want to join us again next week for the carnival job, we would love to have you. Until then, if you want to interact with us at all beyond listening to us ramble on in your ears for like an hour and a bit every week, you can find us on various social media platforms and suggested conversation topics include... Oh, what are your opinions on GMOs? I was just debating internally whether or not I was going to ask that question. It is a, it's a quite a loaded topic. Yeah. But, I mean, you know, yeah. What did you think about the Parker Lasers thing? Yeah, okay. Actually, okay. And are you a fan of the knee slides? Yeah. Because I <laughs> I think they're silly. Who's the real MVP of this episode and why is it Trevor? Mm-hmm. Mm, yeah. Okay. Oh, and, okay, when you first watch this, like, forgetting future context, like, imagine that you're like me, you've never seen Leverage before, and you don't know what's happening after this episode. Were you also more intrigued by this plot than you were by the Italian? And second of all, how do you feel about the Sophie Nate thing? Because I really feel like that's quite a threat. I think that, honestly, Nate and Sophie is a bigger threat to the team right now than whatever the fuck the main plot is. Purely because we have more information about Nate and Sophie, but also I feel like there's going to be an interconnectedness there. So how do you feel about the season four overall plot without... Without spoilers. Like, to this this point, like, to this episode inclusive, Mm -hmm. how are we feeling about it? Because I... I'm intrigued. Anyway, thank you so much for listening to us today. Please join us again next week for The Carnival Job. Bye. Bye! If I get to see Elliot the Clown, I'm going to be so excited.